It's time once again to take a journey. So turn on the lights, pull your chair up, get a little closer to the computer, and get ready, because the journey's about to begin. You find yourself alone late at night, driving in the mountains of North Carolina. You're lost, you think to yourself, but no, something is calling you. Something is drawing you in. You turn your radio on, and there it is. A faint station, wafting in and out of the static of the night. A man named Eric, running a show called a Midnight Cafe, calls to you. The conversation seems strange at first, but as you listen, as his voice fades in and out of the static, you realize this is where you were meant to be. This is what you were meant to listen to. For the next two hours, you and I will take a journey, because I am Eric, and this is the Midnight Cafe. We will take a journey that takes us from the normal, well, all the way through to the paranormal and beyond. We'll talk about the knowns and the unknowns, and everything in between. And together, perhaps we'll make a little sense out of this crazy world we all live in. Join us tonight and every Saturday night from 7 o'clock till, well, till whenever. Well, hello everybody. It is I, Eric, the owner of the Midnight Cafe. And with me once again, as always, Jason, a.k.a. Rockin' Woody. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing tonight? How you doing tonight, Woody? I'm doing well. I tried to, it's blocking me out of the, te- the chat thing. It's telling me I need a channel. I'm not sure what's going on with that. I banned you. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't figure out how to do it with the phone, could you? <laughs> I banned you. You're, you're, just, you're just being inappropriate, so I had to get rid of you. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> My wife is inappropriate, Eric. I'm <laughs> Indeed. Hey, Eddie Fisher. Hello from my pizza restaurant in uh, Indiana. Sweet, man. Cool, man. Waverly's in. Yeah, my gosh, we already got a phone call here. Hold on a second, Eddie. Oh. Uh, Eddie, Nor- I'll tell you what, man. Eddie, let me uh, let me have you call in in just a little bit, all right? I'm going to hang up on you for right now, but I'll take you, take you in just a bit, okay? Um, there's Rockin' Woody. I see you there. Yeah, yeah. I just got in, so I don't know what was going on with that. All right. Eddie, I see it's your first Midnight Cafe. Well, welcome to the show. We're going to be doing a little bit of news and a little bit of chat first, and then we'll go open the lines up, man. So just hang in there. I'm, I'm awesome that you're willing to call tonight, though. That's really cool. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, yeah. Last week, I don't think we got any calls at all. It was kind of unfortunate. Yep. It's the first time ever. Nobody Beluga Studio. Welcome. Good yeah, to see you. Good to see all the folks rolling in. Well, we've got a big show tonight. We had a little bit of technical difficulty before, so instead of pointing that way, I'll be pointing this way for a lot of the night because I've got another TV or monitor over here that I'm working off of because that monitor stopped working for some reason. I don't know. But anyway. uh, It's a pole shift. Magnetic field. Screw it. (laughs) And he says it said call. You're right. At the top there, it does say call us live. Yeah, I guess technically (laughs) that's correct. (laughs) False advertising. That's right, false advertising. Well, you get what you pay for here at the Midnight Cafe, and uh, (laughs) hey, nobody's paid anything, so. (laughs) 
All right. Well, I'm sure uh, some of you all are probably here because tonight is going to be the big uh, President CB Radio giveaway. We're going to be doing that at 8 o'clock uh, live right here in the studio. And uh, yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. Once again, I want to say thanks to the President Corporation for allowing me to have a raffle like that. And, and uh, the President Bill is a really cool CB Radio, so I hope whoever ends up with that uh, really enjoys that because I certainly am enjoying mine. But uh, uh, Rockin' Woody, you got anything you want to add before we go on to the news? No, I think we're we're about good. Just glad to see everybody this week. I hope everybody had a good week. And yeah, um, we're looking forward to a pretty good show tonight. So. Yeah, old Frogman's chiming in here. You like the Radio Shack uh, Radio Shack clip earlier on today? Miss Radio Shack, me too, brother. That was uh, that was from the heart, man, and, and it got a lot of positive responses. So I'll probably be making some more videos on that. That's parts one through four, and covering some of the cool stuff that Radio Shack used to have out there. But. Radio Shack was a, a sweet store. I used to, I did like me some Radio Shack. Yeah, I mean, they always had just the neatest stuff in there, man. It was just so cool. Anyway, it's probably the reason why I'm standing in front of you right now or across this vast internet that we have between us. But uh, to the news then, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So uh, big week for news. Now, again, we've kind of shortened our news segment down. But there were two big things that happened this week that I felt like were worth talking about. So let me go right ahead to the very first one. And that is... Uh, you know me in outer space. So I love me some outer space. So uh, <laughs> once again, and this is like two, you know, just really cool story here. But SpaceX uh, put an Israeli private company's ship into orbit today. Actually, not into orbit. It's headed all the way to the moon. So That's this awesome. is yeah, this is really cool. Just uh, read about this yesterday. I was just super excited about it. But the basic story behind this is uh, that during the SpaceX program, where uh, what was it, Project X? I can't remember the name of the project, but I think Google was putting up $20 million for, you know, like, hey, let's be the first private company to get a man in orbit. Let's be the first private orbit uh, company to put a satellite in orbit, so on and so forth. One of those, uh, like, deals they had going on was, I think it was $20 million to the first company that could successfully land a, uh, a object on the moon, and it was like a rover. It has to move a certain amount. I think it's 100 meters or something like that. And uh, unfortunately, no one was able to pull that off in time. The, the $20 million went back into the pool. But this Israeli company, this private company, worked on it anyway and perfected this design, paid SpaceX to have as payload and launch this booger. I believe it was on Thursday. And away it went, and it was a successful launch, which is really nice. And this thing is on its way to the moon. And it's, uh, it's kind of a really ingenious design. I don't know if i got a good picture here. Yeah, here's what it looks like on the ground. It's really kind of a weird design. So up till now, all lunar landers have come into orbit around the moon and then forced their descent. So they came in there and they drop onto the onto the planet forcefully and they have to use rockets and retro boosters and stuff to slow the descent and then land. And there's a variety of different ways to do this, none of which are easy. So uh, what these guys have decided to do is that they'll just take the natural gravitational pull of the moon. So once this little object reaches lunar orbit it's going to slowly circle for about six months getting closer and closer and closer until it finally gets real close to the ground and then all they have to do is straighten up its trajectory so it lands flat on the ground and that's the idea behind it it's wow, really, that's genius. yeah it really is totally different way and the idea was look we can't do that for a manned space flight but these folks are in no hurry while the thing is orbiting around the moon they're going to be taking all kinds of calculations and measurements and i'm sure photographs and stuff like that so they're not in a big rush, and so they'll let this thing play out. And you know what? Even if it crashes on landing, they've got six months worth of successful orbiting around the moon where they've taken 
all these measurements, and I, I call that you know a pretty good success rate. So yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and then once they land, they've got this little sort of a rover that's going to come out. Now instead of being a tracked vehicle or a wheeled vehicle like all the rovers that you, uh, well, the, the Chinese or the Russians or the Americans have launched. Please tell me it's a drone. Yeah, no, <laughs> I wish it was. That would be really great. But no, this thing is like a hopper. It's going to kind of use the fact that it's a very light gravity to bounce around. It's going to just, you know, use propulsion and just pop, and it'll shoot it up in the air and move it over a few hundred feet or whatnot. Interesting. So, it's a little dangerous, but interesting. Yeah, so they are really put some creativity into the design of this thing, and I, I wish them the best of luck. I hope that uh, I hope that it's successful, uh, and, you know, here it is. Uh, they also add, uh, put some pretty cool stuff. So there's an Israeli flag on board. There's a little time capsule, kind of like the, the gold disc that we put on the uh, Voyager flights and and there's all kinds of cool stuff so there's a picture of what it looks like when it, when it lands i guess and there's the old Sp spacex falcon 9 too so, that's very cool getting some more comments in here jamaica dogs joining us just finished a cuba maduro and a bourbon over ice and now the midnight cafe what a way to end the day hey i love to have you here absolutely my <laughs> smith and wesson's joined us great deal the slingshot effect frogman's talking about yes uh, i think that's exactly how that works and hewlett baker good evening glad to have you on board so uh yeah, so that's what's going on there. There's one got one more picture here of, uh, you know, just just the Israelis kind of during their press conference. So congratulations to them. I'm sure the government had some input into it, or perhaps maybe some funding. But awesome, just awesome. I love space stuff. So anytime something like this happens, it's a it's a big day. And it just amazes me we're doing it on a private scale now, and it's not a government deal that somebody just was like, oh, I want to go up there. Let's send it up there and. They paid some money and it happened. That's just that's amazing to me on it. So that really is the best part of it, isn't it? That this is yeah. the, you know we're we're pushing that bureaucracy out of the way, and these are people who, with creative new minds, were able to come up with some pretty creative new ways to get the job done. And uh, I'm I'm impressed. So good good luck to them, and we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see some really cool photos uh, from the lunar surface in the near future. Well, in about six months, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, audio slave, welcome, my friend. Yeah, good to see you good again. Good to see you, man. Great. Looks like I've got twenty people already in here. That's nice. Hopefully, it'll be a good night. Uh, and now on to the next piece of news. Again, you know, I'm all about outer space. I try to keep politics out of this stuff. Of course, I will talk politics if I'm forced to, but uh, <laughs> I prefer to talk about I prefer to talk about fun, cool stuff that doesn't make my blood pressure go up and cause us to have, you know, maybe strokes. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> From uh, one, what's up with the temp there? Oh my gosh. Uh, so anyway, from one space mongol there where we go all the way to Virgin Galactic, and that is uh, Richard Branson, I believe. Richard Branson made major news. Richard Branson is now the first privately owned company, or is Virgin maybe publicly traded? Either way, Richard Branson's company, Virgin Galactic, put its first paid tourist into orbit it's first passenger i don't know if they she paid that's for amazing it. yeah so this is their virgin galactic i think it's called the spaceship two or spaceship one i can't remember what they call this booger but very unique design again we're looking at private industry coming up with some very creative ways to uh to reinvent the wheel so to speak wouldn't you say yeah that's that looks like a model you build as a teenager and you're sitting on a card table it looks like amazing a, i think flaws yeah it looks like a model you'd build as a teenager that wouldn't work yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's so absurd, but it, it works beautifully. So uh, Branson, they launched this thing. Uh, this is uh, you know they did have one of these babies blow up and wreck, and it turned out it was a defective component from another manufacturer. So uh, 
more power to them. I know that slowed them down. They probably would have done this two or three years ago if they hadn't been for that. But uh, here they are. Here's the crew wow. in orbit. If you take a look there, that was low Earth orbit. They officially managed to pull it off. They got a, They got up, I think it was 82 miles or 62 miles, whatever the <laughs> bare minimum of uh, upper Earth orbit is considered. So, uh, And that I mean, young lady is, there. This is the future right here. I mean, this is our tourists. People are going to start vacationing to the, to the moon and stuff. I mean... Pretty cool. Two years down the road, but I mean, it's really, it's really awesome. Amazing, isn't it? So we have a pilot and a co-pilot. Those are the two guys with the helmets on, and uh, the lady with the blonde hair there. She's she's along for the ride. I'm sure she's doing some stuff. She was an employee of the company, but she is a a tourist. She was not a part of the flight crew. So this is the first time that they've had somebody in the jump seat. And uh, wow. She, if you look closely, and I know these pictures probably not that big, especially on a cell phone, but if you look closely. She's got a freaking death grip on uh, the the, uh, the oh crap handle in that picture there. If you she see forgot that. to put her seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where are the outer space barf bags because I would probably need one of those at that point. <laughs> you can kind of see through the window there. Earth looks like it's uh, got that curvature to it. It's it's definitely mm-hmm. far enough up that it's it's up there. So uh, you know, hats off to Branson. Uh, pretty cool. That's that's them after landing. There's Branson out on the... No, wait, who is that? Yeah, is that Branson? No, that's not Branson. I guess those are the two pilots. I'm sorry. So hats off to those two guys, and I don't know where she is. Probably, like I said, in the bathroom, horfing, but <laughs> more power to her, too, for taking the chance. You know, you only live once, and that could have been the last uh, last moment of those folks' lives, but... Absolutely. Those, you know, awesome. Here's a picture of this booger taking off. That is after departing the, uh, the plane itself and when it ignites its engines. I believe that's at 55,000 feet, and then they go on uh, rocket power from there. Again, that is some weird-looking spaceship, isn't it? Wow, that, yeah, that, look, that looks even crazier when it's separated. Awesome. Man. <laughs> William that's Peterson amazing. says she had the most frequent flyer points. <laughs> <laughs> so so unless, instead of $100,000, it was only like $98,000, though. Huh? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she tried to go last month, and they blacked out the dates. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think it was, it was a holiday. They, could, they wouldn't let her go. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably exactly it. Uh, God bless the Wright brothers. Yeah, innovation and uh, thinking. Hey, that that you know, that, you can't do that. That's impossible. Well, look at here. They can do that. Here they are in outer space with that very yep. fine machine. Uh, incredible, incredible views, incredible pictures. Congratulations to them again. I, I'm just super psyched about the whole thing. And here it is coming back in for a landing. Um, Audio Slave, although it is great to see Free Enterprise taking the lead, I believe it is only a matter of time before the government steps in and starts exploring military probabilities for this technology. Oh, brother, you can believe that. They're I bet prob- they're already doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's uh, whatever these folks have designed, that stuff was stolen off their servers four hours before it was put <laughs> on it. Yeah, you can guarantee yourself that. But that's that's okay. Well, My opinion on that is that whatever it takes to get it out, and get it working, uh, I'm cool with it. So if, if I don't care if we steal the designs from the Chinese. Hell, they, they steal everything from us. Might as well return the favor. But wherever we get the technology from, as long as we use it and exploit it to further our, uh, ourselves in the pursuit of getting off this planet, I think that's pretty pretty cool. Here, here. Yeah, man. Okay, we got a big uh, big decision to make here, Woody. Uh-oh. Is... You didn't say anything about any decision. I know. It's going to be a tough you one. You just told me to come here and talk. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. I don't know. Sometimes we just wing it, don't we? That's right. Mm. Okay, so go. here it is, man. Here's the choice. Tonight, we are going to be covering ghosts. I have a whole bunch of ghost pictures. We talked about ghosts before. 
We had Waverly Hathorne on before, a great guest, also very knowledgeable in the uh, paranormal, and we had him on. So uh, I know he's in the audience tonight. If he wants to call in, we'll be glad to have him on for that. So we have that that we're going to be talking about, and we also have a pretty scary whole half hour or 45 minutes or hour or whatever it runs on uh, artificial intelligence and where that's leading us. So the big question to you, Mr. Rock and Woody, is what do you want to talk about first? I, I want to talk about this AI stuff. I've been reading on this, and it's a little scary. i got to admit. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll go to AI. <clears throat> I'm, I mean, it's it's scary. Yeah. Okay. So scary. Uh, I don't know what y'all know about AI out there in the audience. We've got 26 of you listening in. So a lot of what we hear about AI, uh, we're not hearing the whole picture. A lot of what goes on behind the scenes uh, is top secret, really. The Chinese military, the Russian military, and the United States military, and I'm sure other militaries, European and, and the Japanese, are probably working on it hardcore, too. But uh, there's some really scary things going on in the world of AI, and they keep trying to tell us that, oh, don't worry about it, it's just overreacting. But there are a few big players out in the AI field mm -hmm. who are trying to warn us, or have tried to warn us, and uh, up until now, they're really falling on deaf ears. So... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just amazing to think about because they even, like you were saying earlier, these people are like, this is bad, this is bad, but in the same right, they're like, okay, let's keep moving, let's keep moving forward and research well, potential and, and, and scary. Well, my understanding is, or maybe my maybe I'm, I'm wrong, I hope I'm right, but I, I, I probably am wrong, is that the reason that everyone keeps pushing themselves to further this is that they're always afraid that the other guy is doing the same thing. Because the truth is, the first person to actually perfect AI rules the world, or at least in their mind they think they rule the world. The truth is, the first person to perfect AI has ended the world as we know it, yep. and uh, has ended all of us. He'll just be the first ones to know it. So, uh, it's it's really, the more you guys dig into this, and, and I hope after this show you won't think this is doom and gloom, or what do they call that, you know, it's just like, doomsday stuff but this is real this is really scary about every experiment they do with these things gets worse and worse and the reality gets scarier and scarier and mm -hmm. uh so and like you were saying they're being trained off what's around them so they're learning what's around them and it's it, like you said case after case it always ends up with them resulting in learning hatred and learning you know, they're not learning the good stuff about humanity. They're picking up on the bad stuff immediately. Yeah. Uh, a semi-professional hillbilly is, is chiming in here that when Elon Musk says that AI is a threat, everyone better take notice. And and really, I have a bunch of quotes from him. Uh, I like Musk. He's just, uh, just kind of a weird guy. I like him. I don't know why. But uh, he's got a bunch of quotes. Bill Gates has some quotes that are startling and frightening. Uh Stephen Hawking, who has now passed away, had some quotes that were pretty, you know, that, that we needed to take care of. And I know some people thought Hawking's maybe was losing his bananas towards the end, but in this case, I think it was a good warning. And uh, I'll go back to Elon Musk, and this is what started the idea of us covering this uh, this hour, and that is that at some point during this week, I watched a video from Dabu7 that covered uh, a company. So Elon Musk used to work on AI projects in-house. In mm -hmm. And uh, he decided after a very uh, frightening incident with the system that they were working with, he shut the program down. He said, I don't want anything to do with it. It's too dangerous. It's, it's going to be the end of all of us. So uh, 
these guys went on and took that project, or what was left of it, the parks that they owned, apparently, and continued the project. And they have now come out and said that what they created was nothing short of pure evil. That this machine was lying to them. It was hiding information from them. It was not being forthright. So it was lying to the creator. It was, it was trying to deceive the creator. It was trying to outsmart the creator. And it was pretty darn good at it. Uh, they had uh, they just found the information that this thing was hiding randomly, and then they decided, but we're pulling the plug on this because it is that damn scary. And they said they would never release the project publicly. But again, you know, kind of like we were saying about military applications, that's what a private organization is doing. Imagine what our military and other militaries around the world are doing with this product. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they have it in full force, and they're trying to figure out how to make it not scary. Yeah. Psycho for you saying folks just run headlong into wanting AI to ruin their lives. Yes, and I, I think, man, I'd like to make a whole documentary on it, but I'm just not that good of a filmmaker. I just, I'm not that talented a guy. But this is this is more dangerous and far more frightening to me than nuclear weapons, neutron bombs, things of that nature. These those are conventional Absolutely. weapons that have to be deployed by people. And even if you're absolutely insane, there are other people around you who are hopefully there to keep the balance and check system in place. Once we create an AI that is smarter than us, we are finished. There's, yep. We can never outsmart it, and we cannot stop it. And what's the biggest thing about it, I was looking, when um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Israeli AI robot that they made. They actually gave it citizenship and... They've made a, a few of them, but the way they've described it is Mr. Robot A over here on this side of the country is connected to the same cloud database as Mr. Robot C on this side of the country. What he learns, the other one learns. So they're all controlled by a, a master AI robot. <laughs> right, which, which if you look in nature, there are some startling similarities to that. Look at ants, right? Ants operate mm -hmm. off of a hive mind. They operate <clears throat> off of a central intelligence. The queen directs the drones. And look at a bee colony. It's the same way. The queen directs the drones. So you look at that and you look at possible AI where the, the computer that is not centralized, you can blow the computer up in D.C. You can blow the computer up in China. But once this baby's hatched, it's everywhere always. Mm -hmm. And right. so that uh, is the most frightening aspect of it. And it just... It just spreads and reproduces, and it's all part of the same brain. And it's crazy. Smith and Weston saying they all praised Elon as a sage until he made statements against AI, and then the fake news media. Then they tried to destroy his character. I agree with that 100%, and they're still trying to destroy his character. I wouldn't be surprised if Elon doesn't get uh, suicided in the uh, you know coming years over some of the stuff that he's up to. Uh, perhaps they think he's such a genius they'll let him continue until he becomes more of a burden, but... Uh, He's on, he's on really shaky ground, no doubt. Zach's yes. commenting that it will take an EMP to destroy all the AI machines. Yes, but in the process of an EMP taking out all computers, it takes out us as well because we are so reliant on these machines, even if they're not self-aware, that we'd be just as doomed if we just let them control us, you know? Frogman saying, didn't we clown see the Terminator? I mean, honestly, it's it's not just the Terminator, but there's pl plenty of stories over the years from science fiction writers that predict this stuff almost with 100% accuracy, it seems, as, as time goes on. Um, well, it's like me and you were talking, Eric. I mean, when this happens and it does, if it, 
we're not saying it's going to happen. We're not freaking everybody for doomsday. But if something like this did happen, it wouldn't be like the Terminator shooting laser guns and blowing you to pieces. It would be a central cloud distributing orders to these robots that were handheld, and we'd be it'd be more like maximum overdrive or something. Yeah. Our cell phone decides to electrocute us, or you know, our computer decides to poison us with gas, or you know, who knows? Your car takes you off a cliff. Your GPS yeah. directs you off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, it's just. You know, your pacemaker that's controlled by a central agency no longer paces. The list goes on and on. Your respirators, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Everything is so networked that uh, even if we have a dumb appliance, as long as it has a computer internet connection, then it's still a threat. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much everything, man. I'm sitting in a room full of computer stuff right now. That's crazy. Even your fridge nowadays is hooked up to the Wi-Fi. Yeah, a lot of them are. It's crazy, man. Uh, got some great comments here. Good in the comments tonight, guys. Uh, we have machines building other machines. We are approaching obsolete. It's true. Once they self-replicate, then really we're not even worth having around as slaves, right? That's right, yeah. You know, they don't need a workforce so they can build their own. Uh, Q, uh, Grover's got a point, and this is where we are already facing this, and this is why you should not think that this is 20 or 50 or 100 years away. Grover's saying there's already a form of artificial intelligence on your phone. It's called Siri or Amazon's Alexa or those programs. 100%. Mm-hmm. Those are hive mind. Those are learning machines that get smarter every day no matter what they're telling you. And I'll tell you what, that stuff does scare me. Yes. Uh, you know, it's they observe and they they learn. It's, it's happening. Well, they were saying four to five years is when they're planning to actually have a self, uh, you know, a robot that's as smart as we are. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, the day they, they flip the switch, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Skynet, you know, the, the movie where, you know, the, they flip the switch, the second that thing becomes self-aware, the first thing it decides is, I don't like you people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really need you around, so, and then it's over. So. AI is okay. no match for natural stupidity. William Peterson's chiming in with that. <laughs> My God, that might be the only way to save us, is our own stupidity might be the only thing that saves us. <laughs> I swear. Uh, what about Rosie from the Jetsons? She wasn't all that bad. Yeah, you know, I'm all, you know, I'm okay with stupid tech. I just, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by computers, right? These computers don't think, and I, I don't, I don't fear them. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a technophobe. I think is what they call that. But then I wouldn't mind having a robot that's programmed to do certain tasks. But if you allow that robot to be problem solving, give it enough memory and give it enough processing power, eventually it's going to solve us as the problem. Yep. That, that worries the heck out of me. Michael Root's going to go unplug his microphone or microwave. Make sure you get the popcorn out of it beforehand, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Audio Slave, in my opinion, uh, the key to much of AI is the removal of human response decision-making from the loop. Think about it for a second. Missile silos, drones, those no longer require human touch anymore. And that's true. And I have a picture here that, that really really drives that home i'll bring it up here in a few minutes and it, it'll it'll kind of push that that thought in because this is what ai is thinking and there's a part of us that's missing from that decision making and that's going to be a big problem so yeah absolutely uh george b love- saying pandora's music platform has done a great job of learning what type of music i like that's a great i mean that's great uh point of how ai is is intertwined in our lives already mm-hmm. but what it finds out uh when it does a great job of finding out how to get rid of you <laughs> like a really good job 
it knows what song you like and it knows you'll go to it and then boom. <laughs> yeah, what if it uses a sound wave to blast your brains open or something? I don't know. This is doom and gloom, but it, it, it's... Yeah. I can't understate how serious this is. If you guys do your research, you know, what you're being told on the fake news is, is not uh, it's not real. It's not accurate. No. Yeah, what little bit of research I've done just over the last couple of days has been enough to, to scare me and be like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to know anymore. Yeah. Frogman 430, my new air fryer was supposed to help me live longer, not take me out. Yeah, keep an eye on that thing, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'd sleep sleep with that knife or gun close to the bed stand when that air fryer's out on the counter. You just never know what that thing might try to do to you while you're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Fisher's going to wear a magnet necklace to keep him away. I remember those things. They were going to make us all stronger and stuff. They have the magnets around here and here. Get rid of my arthritis. <laughs> Dustin Adams, how's my night going? Awesome. We're having fun so far. We've got 30 people watching. Loving that. And uh, we've got a good show lined up tonight. Plus, we're giving away the CB, so I'm excited, man. Uh, Hewlett Baker Thanks. says, by the time people wake up and realize AI is taking control, it will be too late to do anything about it. That's, that's 100% true. That's exactly right. You will wake up and you will realize when nothing is working properly, but it's working, that uh, it's over. And I don't know. I doubt they'll even make an announcement. I mean, I th whatever uh, being, whatever we create is going to be so far removed from our human human side without without having to deal with emotions and uh, and all the things that weigh us down as humans. It's going to make cold, calculated decisions, and they're going to be so rapid that uh, no, no human on Earth is going to be able to keep up with it. Yeah, that's right. Sent my professional hillbilly says when the 5G network gets completed and it has worldwide coverage, AI will be ready to start taking over. I mean, it's true. We are kind of laying the groundwork for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Beluga Studio says it's a tough one. It sure is. Yeah. Uh, so here are some of the companies. There's a lot of them. These are just the ones we know of, but I guarantee you most of them start with uh, you know military contracts. But these are companies that are all individually working on AI as we speak. Now, these are not evil people, and these are not evil companies. I certainly am not putting this up here as, a, like, we need to shame these folks or anything like that. I'm not that kind of guy. These are people who are doing what they think is the right thing. I just happen to think that it ain't the right thing. Um, but uh, as you can see, there's quite a chart there, and that's just the companies that we know of. Again, most of the real hardcore AI that's going on right now or AI research is happening in military contracts, not even being talked about. Obviously, IBM has... Uh, Deep Blue, I think, is their AI learning system, the one that beat everyone on Jeopardy. Right. And, uh, you know, Alexa and Siri, those are, you know, Amazon and uh, and Apple, and those are obviously AI. But, you know, we're seeing, like, the consumer end of the AI. But believe me, there's a whole lot more to it that's not consumer-driven. So we got we got that going on as well. And the consumer end is how they're getting everybody into this. I mean, they're making it, it's making it so much easier to have that thing that listens, likes the music that you know and, you know, it learns how you talk and learns your words and all that stuff. I mean, it's very convenient. Yeah, it, it is. How, yeah. Okay, so uh, you were talking about, uh, you know, AI being, you know, how how's it making its decisions and when we take the people out of the loop as far as missile launches and stuff like that. Here's a great picture that really... Uh, sums it up. So I have my AI self-driving car and it runs into a problem that has no solution. And for those of you who are Star Trek fans out there, it's called the Kobayashi Maru, right? Mm -hmm. So the Kobayashi Maru is the no-win situation. Here's a no-win situation. We have a kid who is uh, running across the street chasing a ball. Obviously, we want to avoid him. We have a gas tanker directly in front of us that is going to collide with us and cause a massive explosion if we hit it. 
that is a definite issue of self-preservation. And on the right, we have uh, we have an old man trying to cross the street who's not paying attention. So we have another uh, ethical dilemma. So what uh, what would you choose as the person, right? What do you choose? This is a no-win. What would you do? Uh, I wouldn't even know, man, to be honest with you. Yeah. This... I mean, because if you hit the tanker, all of you are dead. So. True. I guess, yeah, if you plow forward, you're you're taking all of them out because you're going to blow the tanker up. So uh, you take out the old man or the kid. What are you going to take out? I'd have to go for the old man. That's what I would do. But I wonder what a computer would do. Old man lived yeah. a good life. Exactly. So we're looking at, you know, if I have to make a choice before between a young person and an old person, I guess the old person's lived, hopefully, a life, at least a, hopefully a good life. But <laughs> Smith & Wesson says, floor it. <laughs> floor it. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Let's screw with AI. Strap your smartwatch to a squirrel to make a dog, says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wow. Alexa just said that is not a name I will respond to. What the frick? Wow, that's weird, man. Uh, <laughs> Kirk cheated the test. Yes, he did. But in the real world, as we know, we, we can't change. Uh, a situation like this is something that is, is certainly possible that a human will face. Also certainly possible that AI will face this. And, and uh, yeah, I just worry. Logical and ethical. So what are we going to do with this? I don't know. Yeah. So let's get on to some of this horror story because there's a lot of quotes here that will just blow you away. Here is the first one. Elon Musk, Austin, Texas, 2018. Mark my words, artificial intelligence is far more dangerous than nukes. That's from a guy whose company spends an awful lot of time researching money developing artificial intelligence, including his cars, which are self-driving cars. Hmm. More dangerous than nukes. Yeah. It's kind of a bold statement. It is, and uh, he's a pretty smart guy. So you have to wonder: does he know? Does he know more than we know? Or right. you know, he's, he would have to. He's, he's off. He would have to think he knows something anyway. Yeah, he's right up against it. You know, he's he's right on it. So, uh, yeah, Grover saying, in in uh, your opinion, artificial intelligence is not necessarily going to be uh, all bad or bad. People are just ter- just as terrified when electricity was first demonstrated. Yes, definitely, I agree. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, this could be fear-mongering, but I, I also, my gut tells me no. And uh, when smart people around the world like Elon Musk and, and some of these other ones that we're going to come up with also say the same thing, it tends to lead me towards uh, towards that. Let's think about it this way. Uh, Grover, do you think you could reason with an alligator? An alligator is a machine that just kills. It kills because that's what it's designed to do. It kills because it's it's its purpose. It kills because it doesn't have it doesn't feel sorry for you. It doesn't understand that you have a family you have to go home to. You know, it's just an alligator is an alligator. It eats you. There was an old saying about the I think it was a a scorpion and a fox. Maybe it was. God, I, do you remember this story, Jason? I don't know. Top of my head, no. This is crazy old story. I'm gonna try. I'll probably butcher the heck out of this thing. But there's a scorpion, and he's on a rock, and uh, the river has risen, and the scorpion can't get off the rock. And a fox swims by, and the scorpion says, "Would you please take me to the shore?" And the fox says, "No, I'm not gonna let you climb on back with me, because I know you're gonna you're gonna sting me, and I'll die." And the scorpion tells the fox, "I'm not gonna sting you." I would kill myself if I stung you. That wouldn't make any sense. I, I promise you that if you just take me to the water's edge, I'll leave you be. So the fox thinks about it, and the fox says, okay, fine. And he swims over, and a scorpion climbs on top of him, and they start swimming away, and the scorpion stings the fox. And the <laughs> fox looks at the scorpion and says, why did you sting me? Now we're both going to die. 
And the scorpion looks at the fox and says, because I'm a scorpion. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, a, okay. a killer is a killer. A machine that's just calculating is just calculating. We can't really blame it for what it's going to do. It just is what it is. And it's going to eventually decide we are a problem that needs to be solved. I can't, yeah. can't think of it any other way. I hope I'm wrong. Bet I'm not. I mean, even if you break it down to the other, the human aspect of it, I mean, say AI is fine, but all these AI is still connected to this cloud. A human can get in there and make it not fine just as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be become self-realization on its own. It, you know, we're just as evil as anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Fisher saying, but, but they didn't have podcasts to discuss the new innovations of electricity. <laughs> I mean, Maybe they should have. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn them for not inventing podcasts before they invented electricity. What's wrong with these people? Got everything all figured out here. Beluga Studios apparently has heard that story. He says he believes it was a turtle. And, and maybe it's probably been told many times, but uh, I do remember from my youth, and it, it struck me as uh, an interesting tale. You know? Cat yeah. lovers joined us. Good, uh, good, good to hear to see you. Good cat lover. Thank some of our professional hillbillies said electricity can't just decide to kill you on its own. That's a very good point. Yeah, and that's that's where the real fear is that, that you know, uh, my laptop or my computer, or, you know, these things, my, my VCR over here, it can't decide that it wants to kill me. It might kill me. Maybe I touch it and it's got a short in it and I get fried, right? It might kill me, but it can't decide to kill me. And that's where AI is the bigger danger. Mm -hmm. Smith & Wesson saying when a guy who the U.S. government pays to shuttle their secret satellites to space on his own rocket says, be aware, it's best to listen for a minute. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, and here's Hawkins. You know, and I know Hawkins has passed away. And again, I know there's some folks out there that think maybe the last year or two of his life, he was kind of hitting uh, maybe not on all eight cylinders. But uh, success in creating AI would be the biggest event in human history. Unfortunately, it might also be the last Unless we learn how to avoid the risks, and I don't think we're ever going to avoid that. And here's another quote from Eli. Uh, well, that's the same quote, yeah. Potentially more dangerous yeah. than nuclear weapons. And that's what I wonder, since he left it that vague, that avoid the risk, and everyone's going to think we can avoid the risk. Yeah, well, you know, oh, I can control it. It's like mm -hmm. people who uh, get a Bengal tiger as a pet, you know, when it's a kitten, they get a little kitten. Yo, freaking, it's a 500-pound tiger. No, this thing loves me, man. This is a, uh, this has been my best friend. Look, and they'll show, oh, look, I can walk up to it and scratch it on its chin, and it loves me. And then it eats their kids, and they're like, I can't believe it did that. <laughs> really? You can't believe a Bengal tiger ate something. I mean, it's kind of what they're designed to do. It's kind of what they are, who they are. It's kind of, you know. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Now, acting surprised is maybe not. Maybe they maybe they are surprised, but they probably shouldn't have been surprised. Uh, John D. Uh, yeah, good. Go on, man. I was going to say John D. Said good evening, all. Yeah. Welcome. Glad to have you. Um, Grover QLD said humans can be just as scary as AI. Look at World War II. I agree, and you know that's like I was saying earlier. If you put them all together and give it an AI big brain, a human could do just as much damage as the AI could. We can. The difference is that humans are emotional creatures, so eventually, uh, you know, we can be swayed. And, you know, yep. maybe some maniac like Hitler can't be swayed, but eventually Hitler took his own life. Do you think AI is going to be like, I'm losing this battle, I'm just going to give up? No. No, it's just another problem it needs to solve. And, uh, and because of the speed at which they can operate, I don't think it would ever really be losing the battle. I think from the second it decided it was in a battle, it would win. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Absolutely. Cat Lover, thanks for pushing for the thumbs up. I agree. I push my thumbs up. Everyone else out there can do the same. Um, Eddie Fisher, thank you, sir. Audio Slayer says, it's important to remember that many inventions slash discoveries are only side effects of the experimentation. Artificial intelligence may be derived from a lucky lab experiment and not human intuition. That's actually a very, very, very good point. Yeah, so we might release the genie out of the bottle without even realizing we had the bottle on the table. Very, yeah. very good point. Yeah, extremely good point. Uh, this uh, Smith & Wesson saying AI was part of World War II. Microsoft's Watson AI computer was used to select an organized number for the camps. Really? I had no really? idea. Really? Huh. huh. Very interesting. 1939, Poland. I'll have to research that. That's, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make a note of that right now. Uh, Some of our professional hillbilly says, hopefully the killer AI will be running Windows. No threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The blue yeah, screen you know, of death. Well, you know how Windows just happens to just delete stuff automatically. Yeah. <laughs> it's the blue screen. Of, we'll be we'll be up. It'll be like War of the Worlds, man. We'll be like one <laughs> one hair away from the end of everything, and it'll blue screen of death itself, and we'll be like, <laughs> do not turn it off and turn it back on again, for God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> Alternate control delete is not working. <laughs> Somebody reboots it, and we're done. Oh. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> so here's another quote from Elon Musk. I don't remember what date this was, but worth reading. Superintelligence by Bostrom. We need to be super careful with AI. And again, potentially more dangerous than nukes. So here's another another time where he was coming out and tweeting or sending a message saying, hey, man, this is this is probably a bad idea. And it, it's falling on deaf ears, man. Mm -hmm. So uh, another quote from him. I love Musk, so uh, I've got a lot from him because he's one of the you know people who's speaking out about this. But the pace of progress in artificial intelligence, and I'm not referring to narrow AI, that would be like a self-driving car, mm. is incredibly fast. Unless you have direct exposure to groups like DeepMind, you have no idea how fast it is growing. It is growing at a pace that is close to exponential. The risk of something seriously dangerous happening in this five-year time frame, 10 years at most. I don't know, man. So we're looking at four to nine years to go because this was last year. Yeah, and that's what they were saying when they were doing the Israeli robot. I mean, they said four, three to five years is when they were anticipating having this thing up and running. That's my, you know, unless I get hit by a bus or die of cancer, uh, that I should be here in five years. So I guess I'll mm -hmm. get to see the bright white flash in the sky as they decide to blow us all out of here. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's scary. There's, it's not going to be much longer. They've already got them. I don't know if you, you can do some research on it. You can look for Sophia for Israeli. I mean, they look like humans. They really, truly do. Yeah. Uh, this, I don't know. I mean, we got 3040 in here. If this isn't giving you just a slight bit of chills, it, it really ought to be. Because, uh, you know, this this is the guy who's real close to this. This isn't some guy speculating. This isn't some guy like myself who's just sitting here being a computer keyboard warrior and uh, you know, and, and pontificating or whatnot. This guy is in the mix, in deep in the mix. And if he is, uh, if he is throwing out these red flags, I think we should be listening. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. All right, here's another one from him, and these aren't all from Elon, but I've got a bunch of them in a row from him. So uh, we'll pull this one up here. Elon Musk's AI is our greatest existential threat. That's right. Not uh, not Ebola, not AIDS, not uh, war, not nuclear weapons, not chemical weapons, not terrorists, 
Nope, not global warming or climate change, but AI. I'm increasingly inclined to think that there should be some regulatory oversight, maybe at the national and international level, just to make sure that we don't do something very foolish. I think there's a potentially dangerous outcome there. And he was referring to Google's deep mind in which he invested and is keeping an eye on things. So here he is again, guys. I mean, he is, without divulging classified information, he is trying his hardest to make people aware of this, and no one cares. No one's, mm -hmm. no one's paying attention. The guy's screaming that the building's on fire, and everyone just goes back to watching TV. <laughs> no. uh, let's see. There's a little bit of back and forth there. Eddie Fisher said, yeah, apply AI to finding a cure for cancer. Right, so there's definitely, and that's where he was talking about narrow AI, so a self-driving car, something that is trained to learn to expand on a certain set of skills is dangerous, but no, nowhere near as dangerous as these deep mind projects or the, the series where it's like, I want you to be able to answer everything. And uh, right. so, yeah, if we could apply AI towards that. But again, I still feel like you you set something up to learn about everything it can about human biology, and it's going to figure out the real cure to human biology is no longer having humans. <laughs> Problem solved, right? There's no more cancer. Right. There's no more people. There's no more cancer. Yep. So. Uh, Semi-professional hillbilly saying mustard gas was a byproduct of making fertilizer. Someone's good intentions killed a lot of people. Yeah, man. So the the doctor who works with the computer engineer to create an AI that's going to look for that cure for cancer accidentally unleashes all manner of trouble when it leaks out into the internet and uh, spreads to that hive mind, you know? That's right. Grover QLD saying there's good to every technology just as there is bad. And I, I completely agree with that. That's 100%. a very good point, but yeah. it, it, there's a risk outweigh the good, I guess. Yeah. All right, here's another one from Hawking. Just this, I'm not favoriting Elon. There's some others out there. I've got some from Bill Gates as well in here. But uh, the risks of AI, Stephen Hawking's comment, the development of a full artificial intelligence could spend the, uh, spell the end of the human race. So... Uh, you know, he was definitely worried about it, and, and it's true. Is it necessarily going to do so? No. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm just blowing smoke tonight. But the research that I did into this after hearing that little tidbit on the Internet uh, all indicated that if you look hard enough, what they're telling you on the top of the story is not what they're saying underneath. Um, what's going on behind the scenes is there are some very smart individuals who have some very serious concerns. So. Yeah. And I wonder if it's worth clarifying, like you said, like he said in the last statement, we're not talking about narrow AI, you know, we're not talking about like Siri and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's much, much deeper than that, I think. Yeah. But again, uh, you know, the day that, the day that full AI gets loose, it's over. Well, I think it's over. Mm -hmm. Here's uh, Ray Curlwills. Oh man, I can't even pronounce that. Can you pronounce that one? Kurzweil. Kurzweil. Go ahead Sounds and read good. that one. I need to take a sip of something anyway. Yeah, that's right. A lot of movies about artificial intelligence envision that AIs will be very intelligent but missing some key emotional qualities of humans and therefore turn out to be very dangerous. Right, which is understandable. Uh, we are trying to we're trying to create something that is like us but artificial. But you know, and I I'll refer to Star Trek. You know, what does Data spend seven years trying to be on that show? He, he wants to be more human. He wants to be able to feel mm -hmm. emotions. So again, I think we can create uh, in our lifetimes, we can create an artificial intelligence that equals or far surpasses ours, but I don't think we can teach it empathy. I don't think we can teach it care, love, those things, because those things, 
that's not what computers are, man. That's that's what makes humans humans, you know? Empathy is something that is flesh and blood that occurs because we have a soul, probably. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess on the same flip side of that, though, it probably wouldn't be a good to have a robot with emotions that had anger and hatred either, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we if we all, if we give them an emotion and and it's anger and revenge and lust and greed, it's you know it's probably just as dangerous as not having any emotion at all. But yeah, I agree. I just worry about that calculation, man. When when you don't have any emotion to take into the scene and you're just literally going off of raw numbers or, or raw data, it just worries me that. I mean, people without emo- human beings without emotions are labeled as psychopaths. So, yeah, that's what we fear: psychopath, sociopath, the people who mm-hmm. don't feel empathy for their fellow man. And so, those are dangerous people. They're they'll act nice, and that and that they can be most, the most dangerous people out there. So, very interesting. Absolutely, I've got so, some cool comments here. <clears throat> yeah, I can read some of these off for you. Um, looks like Hewlett Baker says, "What hurt must cred is smoking the dude live." Yeah. He gave the naysayers ammo, and that's true, but they're just, you know, they're using that against them. I don't really consider that as a credit. I consider that to be a bonus. <laughs> Honestly, it just shows he's human. Some of these people act like robots themselves, so the fact that he goes on there and drinks a beer and does that sort of stuff, even if I don't agree with it personally, it shows he's a human being underneath it all, and that, that means a lot to me personally. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, Eddie Fisher goes down to say they can't make a AI robot that cries, it would rust. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Uh, Jamaica Dog says if we can find a cure for cancer, we'll probably know how to give it to everyone, and that's that's a very good statement. Wow, that's a scary statement actually. Yeah, that is a really scary statement, but but it's exactly true. If you if you design an AI, well, let's get back to narrow AI to show that even that can be dangerous. If we design a narrow AI and we're going to ask it to cure things, it's also as a byproduct going to figure out every little way to screw things up mm-hmm. and make it worse. So uh, that 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 does kind of work that both ways there and i don't like that at all that's kind of a frightening thought man it is all right here's bill gates a lot of people uh despise bill gates you know bill gates is like the original uh oh man what was lex luthor was that superman's right <laughs> yep, yep that lex luthor he was like the original lex luthor of the computer generation everyone thought he was evil and they thought google was good and now they know that He's still evil, but Microsoft is also evil, and so is Amazon. So is everybody. They're all evil. So, <laughs> you know, he's kind of like old school evil where you kind of forget he exists at this point. But, yeah, he's still in the background counting his billions. And uh, he's saying this, I am in the camp that is concerned about superintelligence. First, the machines will do a lot of jobs for us and will not be superintelligent. That should be a positive if we manage it well. A few decades after that, though, the intelligence is strong enough to become a concern. I agree with Elon Musk and some others on this, and I don't understand why some people are not more concerned. And uh, that was a couple of years ago. That was not, That was not. Uh, I think that was 2016 that this one came out. So, Wow. We're at the point wow. where AI is super intelligent, or it's intelligent enough that it's doing a lot of cool things for us. It, it tells us, it knows what songs we like now. That's really cool. It gives us directions. It drives our cars. Uh, you know, it wakes us up in the morning. We, oh, Siri, wake me up at 5 o'clock or whatever it is. Amazon, you know, wake me up at 5 o'clock, all that stuff. So it's doing all that great stuff. Hey, tell me a bedtime story. Oh, it'll do that. Tell me a joke. Yeah. It'll do that. So those are, you know, those are things that are kind of positive. But the if we manage it well, it's not going to happen, man. <laughs> when have we ever managed anything well? The United States, oh, we, we've got... Uh, 
you know, we've got all the nukes. No one else will ever get nukes. Then five years later, the Russians got nukes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Exactly. So, yeah. So Jordan B. primed in and said, hey, I would never be able to replace human creativity and imagination. I completely agree. I think that stuff requires emotion, so they'd never be able to even come close to it. Yep. And uh, Audio Slave says, if there's a possibility that machines can somehow become cognizant, then what? Then that would be endgame. Destroy all humans. Why? What reason? Uh, what reason would they use to program themselves? And see, to me, that answer is, I mean, they're learning from us. That's what we do. Yeah, they learn. They probably would learn by us, but they probably. You have to realize humans are a majorly destructive force on this planet. Yeah. Uh, at some point, if they became self-aware and intelligent and tried to buy themselves a corner of the world or try to integrate themselves into society, history shows us that uh, we're not too cool with that, are we? <laughs> we don't really get along well with others. Most of the time, we don't really even get along well with ourselves. So. Uh, I could definitely see it becoming that, you know, and that, that's that's going on the premise that, that AI becomes self-aware, becomes, you know, an integrated part of society without deciding to wipe us out immediately, uh, but just decides, yeah, sure, yeah, we love living with the creator, you know, let's do this, let's hang out, let's drink a beer or whatever, and, you know, six years, 600 years down the road, it's all of a sudden like, you know, we really just want more space to breathe, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then we decide to duke it out, but I, I think it'll happen... In a blink of an eye, man. When it happens, it'll be so quick. We'll just be, you know, we'll just be completely off guard by that. Yeah. All right, we got a few minutes left. Do you, you have more quotes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me if you want on. to open the phones up or something, I know we had a couple people hitching the call. Just a couple of these doom and gloom, and then we'll we'll go to the we'll go to the giveaway, and, uh, and then we'll we'll take calls and go on to ghosts because it's a little bit more of a fun fun background. Okay. So, uh, yeah, here's a picture of kind of, you know, the distant future. Or our replacement staring at us and wondering, <laughs> did they do it right there, man? Uh, Primitive humans. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek brought this up. If it becomes self-aware and doesn't try to kill us, do we treat it like a life form and give it rights? I believe if it does, we would. I believe mm-hmm. there would be some issues with that. And, of course, then the problem is they're vastly, they're going to be vastly superior mentally and probably physically to us if we give them bodies. So it would immediately become a uh, an issue with anger between humans and these creations. So, I don't know if anyone out there, there's a game or there's a game called Fallout that actually addresses that. There's in that game there's a, a society that gives the robots rights because they're full of droids and stuff like that. It's an interesting thought. Yeah, Hewlett Baker saying the the Borg from Star Trek would be a good example of what AI might do. Maybe they won't destroy us, but maybe they will literally make us part of them. So uh, half biological, half robotic. Uh, yeah, I mean, they might see us as a resource or as an energy source or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there, but I don't see it in mm-hmm. being real positive. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to cover that one, Jamaica dog. I'm just going to skip over that because that'll probably demonetize. We're not even monetized. They'll figure out how to less monetize us if I say that out loud. <laughs> the AI would base its decisions off of fake doctor data compiled for the purpose of facilitating control by the current power structure and would seek the same end game. Yeah, I could go with that. Yeah. That definitely seems uh, reasonable. Agenda well, 21. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. I was saying they have reports now. That's what the first AI was doing was trying to create writings like a human would. And what they fed it, they fed it like 8 million websites to determine. And it's, it, it, the writing that came out was very fluent, very clear, and very well written. But it wasn't, they couldn't distinguish between real and fake. Just so, so weird, man. So scary. All right, yeah. guys. I'll tell you what. We are about five minutes out from the drawing. 
and uh, I'm going to cut to some music, and I'm going to dig in the pile and pick out a name. When we come back, I will announce the winner, and then we will go on and open up the line. So uh, if you want to call in, that will be awesome. Let me go ahead and uh, do that right now. I'm going to go ahead. Let me give me, give me, hold on one second here. Sometimes, sometimes when you're don't have a, I need a studio director here. That's what I need. But. <laughs> Psycho, F, Psycho for you. She, uh, yep, Fallout Four. That's what I was talking about. Cool, man. All right, uh, I'm going to play a song, and uh, then it's time for the President Radio Giveaway. Right on, brothers. Hang tight, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. <laughs> Welcome back. The lines are open. Call us here at the Midnight Cafe. Okay. Well, we're back, and it is time. It's time, man, buddy boy. Look at that. The President Bill. 
FCC US approved. AM radio, the winner has been chosen. Uh, are you guys ready? Well, let's see. What time is it? I'm supposed to do this right at 8. Well, it's like 7.59 in a bit. So I'm going forward. I have pulled the name out of the hat. The name is Mitch Henderson. I don't believe Mitch is listening tonight, but I will be sending him a message. It's and, a great picture uh, for you, Eric. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's me with the best smile I could muster at the moment this picture was taken. I apologize. That's what it is. Uh, Mitch Henderson, if you're out there, if somebody knows Mitch, let him know that he is the winner. As soon as I get off of, uh, off of here tonight, I will notify him via email on the other channel, but I can't have both the Farpoint and the Midnight Cafe running at the same time. So, uh, there it is. But Mitch, congratulations. And, uh, I'm really, really, really super happy that the President Corporation contacted me to do this for them. Uh, you know, man, I'm nobody, honestly, nobody. And uh, for them to have reached out to me and offered to uh, to send this out so I could do this with the channel was a big deal. I hope Mitch enjoys the radio. I know I love mine. It's been uh, great. I put it in my wife's car. We used it on several trips. The New York antenna, I finished that uh, range test on it, and I think you guys will be happy with that when I upload that. But to everyone out there, uh, sorry that you did not win. There were over 400 people that entered this wow. thing. I about wore out the printer ink and uh, my fingers cutting with the scissors, getting all those into that hat. But there it is. Mitch is the man. Mitch, Congratulations, Mitch. Mitch. Mitch Henderson. Mitch Henderson. So there it is. And you know what? If one of y'all wants to uh, go find his comment on the other thing and, and let him know that he won, maybe he'll log on here before the end of the show and, and let us know that he's the winner. But I, I can't do that right now and do the show so i'll have to leave that baby but congratulations mitch the president bill fcc is going to be on this way to you and you'll love it man so that's that show uh awesome exciting good, good deal good deal all right that was it i know that's kind of anticlimactic to be honest with you i, I wish <laughs> i had like sound effects for a drum roll or something but that was was it that's no, all i, I, I should have i should have one in for you eric yeah man I don't know. I guess that's that's what you get when you when you get it for free. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so we count on the listeners to have an imagination. That's we right. Yeah. Put that disclaimer should've into just, the entrance. Should have just felt that rolling, right? <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so uh, the lines are open, and uh, ghosts, ghosts, and more ghosts. So we had this uh, conversation when we were in person a while back, and I really enjoyed that, and I wanted to do it something like that again. And because uh, I just love ghost story stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong with ghost stories? Yeah. Art Bell's Ghost to Ghost episodes were always my fave. Just love people calling in with scary stories. So I hope a couple of you will call in with some good scary stories. And and uh, I have one or two of my own I might share. But this picture right here is one of the first uh, that I came across. So I don't know if y'all are familiar. Those of you on the East Coast anyway, or within a couple hundred yard uh, miles of it, but. This is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and it is one of the coolest places. Just American history, just history, and uh, just has a certain vibe to it. In fact, I was very, very close to moving there myself a few years ago before we came up and bought the farm up here. Wait, not that sounds... Isn't it kicking a can and buying the farm? I think those are ways of like saying that he died. But I did not die. <laughs> I just literally bought a farm. So, uh, yeah. So Gettysburg, I could tell by the background, uh, that building there, I know exactly where that is. In fact, I stayed at a hotel right across the street from there. So uh, great place. If you've never been there, you deserve to. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the country to go there because 
A lot of North and a lot of South fought right there in that spot. A lot of them died right there in that spot. And as a result, it's one of the most haunted places in America. Um, <laughs> Jamaican, <laughs> Jamaican dog. No ghost would be caught dead in that dress. Hey, man, this is the 80s. Look at that curly hair. That's a great photo. <laughs> I think that maybe they were talking about the ghost being that smudge over to the right there, but I don't know. So, again, now, look, I'm not making any claims that any of these are genuine or authentic. This is a debate. This is a discussion just about some of the fine photographs I have found online. Uh, if you have photos and want to share them with me, you're all more than welcome to do so for a future show. But uh, we're just going to roll through some of these. And, again, the lines are open. You can call us via Skype at Live the Midnight Cafe. And uh, hope to hear from some of you. I know one of you was trying to call in earlier, probably dropped off already. but uh, probably. Got... I think he was still here. I saw him. Yeah, I thought maybe going back to making pizzas or something because he, <laughs> he was saying he's had a pizza joint. So, oh, yeah, Eddie, I, Eddie's there. Yeah. I found Mitch Fisher's thing for you. I let him know. So say maybe he'll come on. Cool, man. Awesome. Good, man. So uh, that's that. So uh, the lines are open. If you want to call and just discuss ghosts in general, what your thoughts are. You know, we had talked with Waverly about this, you know, his feelings, and we were discussing maybe that some of these the might be uh, doorways into parallel universes or uh, doorways into another timeline. So what we're seeing may not actually be a ghost, but maybe just us seeing through the that dimension and into another timeline. So. And up until we had that discussion, that's a theory I've never really considered before, but I really like that theory. I like that idea. Yeah. Seems very probable and very uh, very realistic. Yeah. Well, Waverly's chiming in that he's having some problems with his Skype. That's okay. I actually had some weird issues with ours earlier on, but we got it straightened out before the show, thankfully. So, uh, yeah, I, I can tell you this. So going to Gettysburg is almost like a religious experience in a way. You, you definitely feel that it's hollowed ground in town. It's a beautiful, safe place to be. A lot of nice families wandering the streets. A very safe place. So a lot of cities or tourist areas can be kind of dangerous or tourist traps. And while Gettysburg does have some of that going on, a lot of a lot of what I saw there was just genuinely nice people and genuinely nice stuff. Real safe. You could go out at midnight and walk the streets and not have to worry about uh, running into any problems. Of course, PA has concealed carry reciprocity with North Carolina, so I had that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> If someone had attempted to be a problem there, there'd have been one more in the list of the dead at Gettysburg. So, uh, anyway, uh, a little off topic, I guess. Okay. <laughs> this was really cool. I actually saw this on another YouTube video, but I found the still frame off of it and brought it up here. So this is a wedding photo. And, uh, you know, they blurred out the faces of the people cause that's, you know, just being nice. But so if you take a look at this picture, um, it's it's uh, Mitch Henderson. Yeah, Mitch Henderson. Somebody was asking, yeah, John Flushing. So uh, if you take a look at this picture, what we have here is like this really weird kind of, I don't know. What, what do you think of that one? Can you see that one yet, Woody? Um, oh, yeah. You're talking about a little black figure right in front of the other yeah, one? It's got, it's got feet, and it's got like yeah. sort of an arm, but it doesn't have an upper torso. It's almost like kinda whatever was out. there was kind of materializing or half materialized. And... Yeah. Uh, According to the backstory on this one, the people in that picture, there was no one there wearing all black. And you would think, who'd be wearing a black gown at a wedding, right? So, very unusual photo. You can see the camera off to the right, just the, the lens and the tripod of the camera. No one remembers anybody being in the picture. There was no one, you know, there when these pictures were being taken. So, uh, I mean, there's clear distinction of feet there. I mean... It's very strange. So uh, no explanation as to what that was. Some people saying they thought, well, it could be a double exposure. But this is the digital age. It's not really 
you know that that was okay when you double snapped a, a you know on old film, but digitally it's not usually going to have artifacting like that. So very interesting. Jamaica Dog says it's a hog in a trench coat. Wow, it's the best dressed hog <laughs> I've ever seen. Some uh, professional hillbilly said we still have a full service gas station in town. If that's not a ghost, I don't know what it is. <laughs> holy cow! Wow, that is a that is a though. ghost of a, a long, 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 long time ago. Because you don't see that hardly at all anymore. No, that's cool. Wow, I'll snap a picture of that. I'd like to see that. So yeah, I would too. Well, everyone, there we got thirty six people here right now. What do you what do you all think? What do you think of that one? You think that one's real? You think that's just a camera issue? Or what do you think you're looking at there? Is that maybe something sliding in and out of our timeline? I mean, what what do, what do you think the possibilities are? How about you, man? What do you think, Woody? I don't know. I'm kind of looking at it. I'm trying. I'm trying to determine the shoes. I'm trying to see. They almost look more modern, but but yet the the right one looks. It almost looks like a woman's heel, but the left one looks more like a sneaker. I tried to look at it to think like, well, it's maybe somebody who bent over, and you're just seeing a blur, like they bent down to pick something up. But you don't really see yeah. arms. You don't see hands. There's no pink anywhere. It's uh-huh. all black. It's really a strange photo. I mean, the first thing I think about is death. You know, you always see him in a black robe. I mean, that's kind of what that looks like. I'm curious yeah. what the, the the future was for everyone in that photo. Actually, kind of right. It is a little bit spooky. And, you know, like, I, I can say this. So I, I think, like, childbirths and weddings and funerals are probably places where if ghosts are a real phenomenon that are really our spirits of the departed coming back, that those would probably be the most likely places where those people would... Uh, <coughs> would pop back in, you know? Like, if uh, somebody's getting married, you'd be like, wow, I'd love to go see the family. And so you right. might make an appearance there. Whether you meant to make an appearance there is, you know, I don't know, but you might, as a spirit, visit that kind of a situation. So and It kind of looks like the kind of, might be in the country. Maybe that was an older place. And like you said, it could have just been a switch between timelines. They could just We just happened to see that little bit of what was going on there in the time period. Yeah, that building definitely looks like an older barn or an older building for sure. Well-maintained, no doubt, but yeah, it's beautiful. So uh, Hewlett Baker saying it looks like the kids are looking it at does. the figure. Yeah. Um, they do. And you know, what they say is it looks like uh, a lot of times kids can kind of see it. You know, you've heard stories about people oh, that's my imaginary friend so-and-so. He's standing right mm-hmm. over there, you know, and, and adults can't see it. And we just think, well, it's just an act of imagination. But sometimes it makes you wonder if maybe they are seeing these spirits. My, my son scared me a few nights by saying he saw something over there. Somebody was standing there, and it, it gave me the chills. That is weird, man, isn't it? Mm-hmm, extremely. Yeah, I, I recall that a few times in my life where people were like, yeah, the kid said he saw something. It's kind of spooky. Looks like a waving bear, yeah. A midget with scoliosis dabbing. Interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. All right, so let's move on to the next one here. It is kind of creepy. I agree with that. It's definitely <laughs> creepy, no matter what it is, if it's real or fake. Uh, all right, this one's from overseas, and this one's floated around the internet. Some uh, oh, got a got a phone call. Hold on, I'm gonna take this call. Okay, Jason, you know how this can okay. work out. Yep, I know how it's good. All right, oh, yeah. hey Bill, how you doing? Ah, oh, not too bad. How about you? How about you? I'm doing all right. Jason, you still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Wow, it's a miracle. Everyone's online. I think so. There, you got me. Wow. Well, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Miracles never. Perfect. Yeah, that's I. That's a, that's a first. <laughs> yeah, it never worked on the first try. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. That was quick too. Well, good. Normally, I have to plug someone in. Yeah. Well, I am glad that you joined us, man. It's good to have you on the show again. 
Yeah, yeah, glad to call in. Uh, interesting topic. Yeah, we're. And, and I'm no expert on. It. I, I've never. I'll be honest. I've never seen a ghost. Uh, I have questions about it. That's that's primarily what I called in for. Is to run some questions, but. Well, let's hear it, man. Yeah, sure. Audio, yeah absolutely. So I always wondered why you know, like ghosts are more seem to be more active at night. Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. Good question. I I don't know the answer to that, and maybe it's possible that uh, uh, solar radiation might affect the ability for them to materialize. Uh, this is just a thought. I have no, I don't know that anyone's done any research on that. But if uh, you know, we still have Waverly uh, at least in the comment section. He's not able to call in, but he's kind of our resident expert on that. Maybe he can chime in on that one. Because um, right. that's a really good question. You're right, though. I know. I'm trying to think in my own life if I've ever heard people talking about seeing a ghost during the daytime, but it's either always around dusk or, or late at night. It, it does seem to be that way, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, that's a great point. Huh. Very interesting. I wonder. I wonder if maybe you can see them better at the night, maybe because of the sun, or you can see the the ship better. That could be possible, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Audio Slave is chiming in. If communication is the intent of a spiritual being, then why not just use speech? The message may be totally unclear when the apparitions appear, but a haunting voice, it's kind of hard to forget those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I, you know, there's the, and we'll do the a show on this one night. I didn't have time to get any samples, but the uh, the thing is called EVPs, which is Electronic Voice Phenomenon. So there are uh, ghosts that attempt to, or entities, or whatever you want to call them, or maybe it's just a natural phenomenon that manifests as as a voice. But if you put a tape recorder or a digital recorder in a room and uh, leave the building, and then you come back later on and uh, review that audio, sometimes you will pick up voices. Sometimes you'll get and people talking. And uh, We've done that. We've been successful with that. Yeah, we actually have done that. So, mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it's real. Yeah. Uh, we picked up some pretty crazy stuff, and I know I've done some at graveyards over the years when we were younger. We did it in Jason's basement because uh, there was a pretty sad story in that <laughs> basement, and uh, got some weird stuff in there too. So those those are also things that happen. But again, you have to wonder: is it real or is it just coincidence? I don't know. And, and also, have you ever noticed uh, there's a lot of stories where uh, they talk about how their pets are farm animals uh, react to it. Yeah. They oh, start yeah. acting funny. You know. That's definitely the case. And I think, you know, when we look at our pets, uh, when we look at all animals on Earth other than humans, uh, they seem to be much more in tune with the Earth than we are. You know, they're able to detect oh, yeah. earthquakes before they happen or big storms coming in. And certainly, like you say, a spirit or an entity or energy, uh, they seem to have an act for it, don't they? And I, I found something here, just some real-time uh, researching for you guys. From what I've seen, from the what I can gather, they say that at nighttime, our bodies are a little bit more relaxed, our brains are more relaxed because we've been working all day, and that's why we have a tendency to see ghosts more in the night than during the day. Yeah, it says, uh, Waverly's chimed in. Oh, I just missed him. Uh, it said uh, he personally believes that general, in general, the energy at night is different and more conductive, so it may be more more easy for an entity to appear or that energy to manifest itself. That's just a thought. Um, Dustin Adams had a question off topic here, uh, but I'd be happy to answer that. Eric, quick question. Do you recommend the Cobra 25 LTD Classic as a base unit? If uh, if that's what you got, it's a great radio. It would make a fine base station. 
when I think about base stations for CB radio, I generally like to try to get something with sideband just because a lot of times these base stations are talking on sideband more than they are on regular AM. But the Cobra 25 is a great radio, and if you have one and it's available to set up as a base station, I say go for it, man. You'll still enjoy it. So I hope that helps you out with that choice. Um, Frogman thinks these are artificial intelligence. Ghosts are artificial intelligence. In a sense, <laughs> they are they are an intelligence, maybe, but I don't know if they're artificial. Uh, Waverly chimed in and said also his experience with Tai Chi and low light allows to actually see the energy stream from his hands. It's it's all types of energy. Wow. Uh, Joey, uh, we didn't actually do raffle numbers. Uh, we, uh, as long as you left a comment on the video for the free giveaway, you were entered. So all I did was print out the whole comment list this morning, and I sent a note out on Facebook letting people know that, that it had closed. But sent it out, cut it all up, and put it in a box. And, and during the break there, I pulled out the name, and that, that's how we determined the winner on that. So I, initially I was going to give out numbers, but holy cow. There were like 400 people that entered, so it just got to be too much. So I just went ahead and did it by name. So um, I'm going to see William Shunot's comment. Got a great spirit box voice in a graveyard. I know that said the name of a lady that was with us clear as day of six frequencies. Wow. Yeah, so those spirit boxes. Bill, have you ever heard of those? Bill, you still with us? Oh, I'm sorry, you're breaking up there. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was wondering if you had heard of a spirit box, if you know what that is. No, never heard of that. This is really interesting. It's kind of an electronic, and again, I'm not, I know there's a lot of skeptics when it comes to it, but it's taking a digital radio, and they put a, uh, a like a, a rapid switch in it of some kind. I'm not exactly sure how they modify it, but the radio flips through the frequencies like super rapidly. But what ends up happening is you're catching bits and pieces of a lot of audio from all the different channels, all the songs, all the news talk, whatever's going on in there. And so people will put these spirit boxes, as they call them, in places and start asking it questions. And you end up with, a lot of times, really random but coherent sentences that are coming out of the mix of voices from across the different radio stations. And, uh, hmm. you know, there are those who believe that that is a way that the spirits can can kind of affect that radio and make it say what it wants, what they want it to say. But others say that it's just a random convergence of various words that, you know, that we kind of make into what we want to hear. You know what I mean? Is it like filtering through the white noise? It's well, it's not just plain static. So it's going through like, let's say it uses the AM band. So it's going, it's just rapidly scanning through the AM band. So it's picking up the voices from all those stations but it'll pick up and it might say like one station will say hello and the next station says I and then another station says am. Oh, I, yeah, so, so it's just randomly picking up bits of audio and then piecing it together into like a... Yeah, so sometimes it makes no sense or it's in, in an unintelligible, but other times it, it almost seems to answer your questions. There's a lot of debate on whether that is uh, a legitimate or if it's just, you know... Random and it's just, you know it's impossible to prove either way. So I think most people just kind of let it go by this wayside. But it, I've I've listened to some of them and they are kind of interesting. They're very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I'll look into that. I've never heard of that, but that does sound interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, semi-professional hillbillies chiming in that uh, our cats and dogs have freaked me out, uh, staring at nothing or at least nothing we can see. Yeah, I get that here at the house sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dogs do the same thing on occasion. We had a friend who told a story of a 
they swore there was a ghost in the house and the dog would always walk into the wall would follow something into the wall almost two three times a week oh wow really that's kind of cool yeah oh that's another question so if ghosts can walk through walls why do sometimes you'll hear like creaking on the stairs or a door opens and closes if they're that's a, that's a great you know question. What I mean? If, yeah. if there's no physical barrier, barrier, they don't have that. They can penetrate through anything. Yeah, and maybe Waverly well, uh, can chime in on that, but I, I think that has to do with the various types of hauntings. Like some are visual yeah. and some are some move objects. I think it's just the way that they are manifesting themselves. And, and Jason, what was your thought on that? Well, I, I, I'll tell a quick brief story about that. We have friends, and it kind of goes in this area. <clears throat> we had friends who grew up in a haunted house, and the way they describe it, I do believe them just because they were so descriptive in what they said, but it was an old war house. So, you know, they'd wake up sometimes and some of the ghosts would be appearing to be walking on their knees, but they weren't. In fact, the floor was raised up at one point through that home's history. So those ghosts were walking on the old floor so that they were doing what they were used to back in that time period. Okay. Huh. So just, just going with walking through walls and all that, I always thought it was fascinating. And that kind of goes back to when we were talking with Waverly about a month ago about talking about maybe some of these are almost like, you know, energy recordings where it's it's not really an active spirit. It's just we're, we're seeing something that repeats itself over and over. And this was a very active. I mean, they had stories where they would they say you go down in the kitchen at 1 a.m. and there'd be a one armed chef sitting there eating a meal. Huh. Never bother you. Never. Uh, you couldn't really interact with him. He was just there How just doing his thing. Uh, Williams. Yeah, what was the story? I, I, I forgot who was telling about the. Someone was coming down, a group of people were coming down an elevator, and then they appeared into a basement, and it was there was some, like a surgeon who thought they were there to help. Oh, something. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was freaky. Yeah. So, yeah, it is fascinating that these ghosts could be just recordings of events that took place. Yeah many years ago like somehow and, our emotional energy gets stuck to a, a structure or stuck to yes yeah, so jamaica dog saying a video recorded in time just replaying itself you know just just yeah. a moment that just gets stuck somehow obviously there's a lot of physics that that you know that we don't understand that that makes that certainly a possibility i would say yeah. just like waverly was saying there's several different types so yeah uh, Williams chimed back in as far as that spirit box goes, saying uh, that he kind of felt the same way about spirit boxes being more of a, you know, maybe not 100% possible, but that uh, that when it said that person's name that was in the room and it was split out over free, six frequencies, it really started to make him ask questions. I've got another call coming in. I'm going to try to try to do this, so hang on, everybody. Uh-oh, did it work? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, that did not work. Hopefully, we'll try that again. Well, Bill, you're okay. there. Jason, you're there. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Waverly had tried to call in. Let's see. Yo, let's try it one more time. Bill, you're there. Jason, you're there. Hey. Okay, Waverly. Yeah, turn your radio down, and we're ready to rock and roll. I think we got all of us. Sounds good. I think the AI was kind of uh, didn't like what I had to say, so it was keeping me out. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Great. Well, we've got a full show. Bill, you still there? No, oh, I've lost some too. Now, hold on. There's a way to make all this work. I know I can. Uh, I don't have no idea how. But, oh, what have I done? Oh, no. 
I'm going to say, guys, uh, call me back if uh, Jason and, and Bill call me back. But I've got Waverly with me here. I don't know what I've done, but I guess I, I must have spoke too soon about everything being awesome earlier. <laughs> so, Waverly, it's good to have you back on the show. I appreciate you calling in. This is definitely your specialty, and we love having you on for stuff like this because Ghost definitely interests me, and uh, you know, you're the resident guru. So, Good to be back. A um, couple things uh, from last time. Uh, sometimes when I'm uh, shooting from the hip, I, I don't always get my thoughts put together too well. So um, I wanted to add to, I think last time we had talked about um, people want to know how come certain locations are more active than others. And one one contributing factor, um, if an environment like a historic site, for example, it's it's kind of like almost like a time capsule. So not much has changed. The oh boy! All right, get Waverly back. Yeah, what's happened now? Oh, I think, I think Bill's there back. and Jason's there, and now I've lost Waverly, and he was in the middle of a sentence. How's? <sighs> I just called. Add people to the call. I was wondering if I could try to call Waverly on my end. Hold on, let me different. see here. Let's add that and see if that works. Did you get back, Bill? Bill, yeah, yeah no. Bill's here. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll get this figured out. This is the joy of live radio, everyone. Hold on. It's calling him now, so hopefully it'll pick him back up. I don't know why I cut him off, though. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he was talking about uh, different locations and, and how hauntings tended to occur in those locations, but it literally cut him off midstream. Uh, while we're hey. hey, there he is. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're all here. Okay, um, I don't I don't know uh, when I lost you. Uh, yeah, we were just in the um, middle of talking about how different locations with the hauntings can, uh, you know, be for different yeah. reasons. Yeah, I think um, you look at a lot of historic sites, and there seems to be a lot of haunting phenomena going on. Now, sometimes there's, because there's been trauma or some civil war battles or what have you, that sort of thing, emotions, you know. Yeah. Um, but also those locations are like a time capsule you know you've got antique furniture a lot of the, a lot of the things in in the structure are in that that particular environment whether it's a you know a building or even just a field everything's tried they've tried to keep it the same yeah over the course of many many years and i think somehow it, it's created its own time capsules not always just a residual, but it just I think contributes to all type any and all types of hauntings. Very interesting. Got some great comments coming in here. Uh, spirits are supposed to be energy, so energy can basically move through any conducting material, solid or non-solid. That would explain them going able to go through walls. Uh, Night owls just chiming in. This is your favorite topic, Gail. I did see that article about. Uh, there was an article in the news today about uh, people randomly waking up between two and three in the morning, which is very common. I do I do the same thing. I always seem to get up right at three or three fifteen, and they're saying that it could be that something or someone was staring at you for a long time, which you know it's it's proven that if a person stares at another person from behind or whatnot, they sense it. So there is a part of us that still senses when a another predator is looking at us. So that's very interesting. That uh, is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, then there's some talk about CB radios again. I'll definitely chime in on that one. I love my 980, so I say go for that. Uh, the Galaxy is also a great radio, but I just I, I've never owned one, so I can't vouch for it. And Audio Slave saying these are cultures in this country that pride themselves on deciphering photos like the ones we are seeing. Voodoo is one of such. A 
priestess in a religion could actually explain the photo to you. Huh. So, uh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I know there's people out there that spend their life trying to uh, debunk these photographs. That is not my, uh, that is not my place in life. I just want people to, uh, I just want people to see these and take away what they want to take away. This one is, uh, I hope it's shown up on everyone's screen already, but this one's a weird one. There's literally uh, something there that's actually holding that woman's arm. And uh, obviously it's not a person, a real person. Uh, and again, this was a digital photograph, so it's not something that would have been a double exposure that I can understand how that would happen. So really a weird one. Really a double exposure. Yeah. Uh, Zach, yeah, what's interesting. Is you would think you would catch these spirits more on analog rather than digital format. Yeah, a lot of people thought that. So because analog picked up all that white noise. Yeah, and... yeah. So Bill, and this is this was a big debate I actually heard on one of art shows back in like 2004, 2005. Uh, they were talking about EVPs, and they were saying, you know, your tape recording, your magnetic tapes, they were picking up these EVPs. And the idea was, yeah, it's like the energy is getting stuck on that magnetic tape. It's an analog system, so it's it's more likely to pick up that that random RF. And uh, the guys that he had on that night were were saying that the digital works just as well. And they, you know, a digital recorder picks up the same amount of white noise apparently, or the same amount of EVPs that uh, the old analog setups do. I don't understand it, but apparently it's not. Uh, stuck on analog or digitally it it finds a way to get through is that's a very good point though yeah that is interesting you know uh, since uh, you know digital is basically binary it's either on or off or uh, ones and zeros so it's either yes or no and there's nothing in between that where analog kind of more broad but then you could even take that to mean that that perhaps um if we're looking at a yes or a no, then and it's picking up something like in this photograph, then then obviously the computer thought there was something there. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, um, got some more questions and comments coming in here. Uh, what do you think about the spirits being energy debate? I, I I think they are a form of energy, whether it's a form we understand or not. I don't know, but it's it's something there. And uh, oh, D Man uh, from Florida's chiming in. Good evening to you too. And Zach Watts says, uh, that's why there's the two-second rule when looking at a lady. And it's true. If you stare at somebody, they're going to, even if they're not in direct eye contact with you, they will notice and they will turn around and make eye contact with you. And then you're kind of busted. So, yeah, the two-second rule. (laughs) (laughs) So, very interesting. So, what do you all think out there in the audience of this photograph? Because this is one of the weirder ones. I've seen this floating around the internet and this, this one appears to be real. William's saying digital or analog energy is energy, so if they want to talk with either analog or digital, uh, they should find a way either way. So I guess, yeah, if it, if it is a type of energy that, it, that can be detected either through analog instruments or digital instruments, I guess they don't care which. It just it shows up. So. Well, going off what um, he just said or what Bill just said, I mean, if it's on or off and it's there, it thinks it's there. I mean, that should even be more of a proven point, I would think. Yeah. We used to use everything from uh, digital cameras, 35 millimeter film, and myself and one other even used a Polaroid uh, one step. Wow, really? Course, the, the last two kind of got pricey. So yeah, well, and that's the problem. <laughs> I, I think that's 
probably what's helped a lot of us find these more recent ghost photographs is that you know we're in an age where we can take 100 pictures and it doesn't cost us a penny as opposed to a roll of 35 millimeter getting it developed in the day was that's a lot of money mm-hmm. here yeah, yeah. yeah. costly <laughs> yeah um so here's a picture hopefully it's popping up here shortly if it hasn't already of a, a trail cam and this one has an image in it. Uh, it's a blurred image, but it looks like perhaps a person walking with a hood or something. But it's it's almost a little see-through if you take a close look at it. And I know for you on uh, cell phones out there, probably can't see this very well. But Or especially those of you who are listening over the radio, you just have to take our word for it. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the big changes from 1670 is we have photos now. So some of this stuff we kind of have to describe to you. But uh, it's, a, it's a trail cam photo, black and white infrared. And it is showing a, a figure that is somewhat see-through. You can see the branches and stuff behind mm-hmm. it. So, what's your opinion on that, guys? <laughs> I think it was yep. when I, when I first saw it, it, it looked. I wasn't that impressed with it, but once you noticed, once you said that it was see-through, I didn't pick up on that originally. But if you look at it, it is see-through. So that definitely uh, adds a little more to it. It's um, it's kind of been my nature, even though. I want to experience this stuff and I have, and I find it interesting. I, I am still, you know, unless I'm experiencing it, I know the person that took the image. I'm a skeptic. I'm also an artist. And as an artist, I have an app on my phone and literally with my thumbs, I can, I can overlay and superimpose light and dark and edit um, images pretty well. So I'm very much a skeptic. Yeah, and it is sad that, you know, we, we talked about this some when we were talking about UFO photographs and alien photographs, that, that we do live in a time when anybody can fake anything, and uh, that's unfortunate. I'd like to give these pictures the benefit of the doubt, just because uh, in my heart I'd like to believe that, that people are being honest, but you're correct with that. There's And I've seen some out there that are blatant fakes that are... And I don't understand the, the thought process behind that, but I suppose there's people out there that just feel like that's a way to get attention, or I don't know what. But Yeah, I'm not sure. It does, so it's, it's really hard to decipher any picture you see, really. This one, like I said, I wasn't initially impressed with it, but um, after looking at the see-through, but like Waverly said, I mean, that's very easy to do. There's also a color spot down at the bottom, it looks like to me. That, I think I, I cropped the photo a little bit. That was just a timestamp. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, from the uh, from the trail cam. That's my phone. Are you faking these photos, Eric? Yeah. I'm s- out of material already, are we? <laughs> I spent all night making these. Ratings. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it. I'm just going for the ratings here. <laughs> Someday we'll have 50 whole people listening on the show. <laughs> all right, let me move on to the next one here. This one is also, uh, this one's been around, and again, at first glance, you think this is just a little girl walking around the woods lost, but uh, take a closer look and tell me what you all see there, because she's kind of see-through on the bottom half. She doesn't look happy either. No. Mm. I mean, wait, if you keep keeping account of what Waverly said, I mean, that could easily be done, but that does look kind of like a weird picture. It does. Uh, I think, uh, I don't remember the backstory on this, but I believe this was pretty far out in the sticks, and uh, this was a trail cam the guy was putting out there to uh, deal with poachers on his property, if this is the one I'm thinking of. And 
you know, what's what's a little girl doing out in the middle of the night, wandering around? And it, and it looks to me, like I said, if you look especially at uh, what would be her left leg, it's mm-hmm. fairly see-through. It's just strange. Strange, strange. Yeah, I think uh, uh, it could also have to do with the frame rate of the camera as well, because Back a long time ago, back in college, I took uh, photography before digital. Yeah. And um, one of the assignments was to have someone run, uh, you know, a subject run or jump. And then you kind of get a blurred image of them yeah, that's jumping a- or running. And, and same thing with, like, cars, like with the race cars going through a track. You get that blurred image of them if you, you're – your frame rate is not set correctly. That's a good point, man. I hadn't really thought yeah. about that. I've got a, a couple of trail cams on my property, and you're right. They don't take great photographs unless the object is standing still. So that could explain the see-through nature of this girl. But that almost makes this photograph, if it's not been just faked, a little more tragic. Because what the heck is a right. girl, it's you know? in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is she out there? She could be terribly lost at... Uh, I've got or it could be one of those uh, free range kids, you know, like I was when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> right off in the woods back in the day. And... <laughs> Man, that's exactly what we used to do when we were that age. But it's almost a, a that's almost a dead breed right now. You know, we got the, yeah. the helicopter or nanny state or whatever they call it, where you know yeah. you can't go five feet without being under the eyes of somebody. But yeah, it's like a twelve year olds out there by themselves. And, yeah. you know, people start calling the police. <laughs> Chandler Gilliam is asking, is this the dude from the farm channel? This is the dude from the farm channel. I'm, I'm <laughs> also the dude from Midnight Cafe. I'm, I'm like a lot of dudes these days. I got, I got a lot of hats I wear. But uh, welcome to the show. If this is the first time you've watched us, congratulations. You found the most interesting two hours on this channel. <laughs> Semi-professional Hillbilly says he's had trespassers on his trail cams looking to become a ghost. The trail cams are great for catching people that... Uh, Shouldn't be where they are, you know, and then you got them, you got them nailed. So I have a couple of them on my property for that reason. Uh, Williams chiming in, like you were saying, Bill, once again, cheaper trail cams are not that high quality, plus uh, who walks like that? Yeah, and it could have been a, 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 a person running, so. Yeah. Night Owl saying, shame uh, on me, what, what have I done? <laughs> I'm sure you've done something. You deserve that for something. Uh, and Eddie's saying he's got a ghost in his pizza shop. I'd love to hear that story. Feel free. Yeah, to... I'd love to hear about that too. Yeah. All right, so let me close this one out. We'll get the next one up here. This one's kind of weird. Um, this one, I don't know. You'll it'll pop up here in a second for y'all. But uh, this is a guy who was obviously taking a, a staged photograph, uh, pretending to be in a casket. But if, and again on the cell phones, this probably isn't showing up very well. But if you look. Well, the zoomed-in portion there, there actually is a bit of a face that's kind of behind him. And that that's a weird, freaky photo there. I don't oh, know. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, what's that science behind uh, the, the the cloth that Jesus was apparently buried yeah, in? Yeah, 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 okay. You know what I mean? It burned an image into it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. That's that's very interesting. Huh. Yeah. The shroud, is that what it was called? Yeah, the shroud, the Turin shroud. Yeah. Yeah. That does kind of have that that look to it. Yeah. An imprint of something that's there. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, William wants to know if we already drawn the winner of the President CB Radio. Yes, we have, sir. It was Mitch Henderson. Mitch, Mitch Henderson won the President. So congratulations to Mitch again. Um, 
semi professional hillbilly says it looks like a dead Mario. <laughs> you know what I think it looks like to me is uh, the the guy from uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It looks like the old uh, knight that was in there saying, "You chose poorly." Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of had that look to it's it. Like uh, Herman Munster to me. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's look at that Frankenstein face too. That was yeah. the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Uh, Audio Slave is chiming in that uh, there's also a matter of location. Many photos of apparitions occur in wooded areas, but rarely seen in high-rise structures. Weird considering the number of suicides committed in tall buildings. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have no explanation for that. Uh, uh, Waverly, are you still with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. still yeah, here. Maybe you could chime in on that one. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, statement. Um <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know how to answer that. Um, I I don't know why you know like I said before I've I've known people that have had haunt phenomena in modern structures, um, so I don't know why you wouldn't have um, more photos or footage there. Um, yeah. But we do see a lot of stuff like that outside and in in uh, in the woods. Huh. I wonder if because of the contact uh, with the no city, it's, it all kind of the, it creates the energy from happening since there's so much around it. Yeah, that that's a good take. Most of the places that I've investigated have either been private homes, and that's going to be like in a suburb, mm-hmm. or historic sites, um, which again goes back to being kind of like a time capsule, or have done some that were out in the woods. One of the places we did out in the woods, I don't care to go back to huh. um so <laughs> um you know you just gave me jason just gave me an interesting idea so in major cities uh, being a, a radio fanatic and ham and cb and stuff i can tell you that all the electromagnetic interference creates one heck of a uh, noise floor where there's just so much static in the air it's difficult to make out any voices and i wonder Speaking of high rises and big cities, if that isn't part of it, if there isn't these entities or spiritual energies that are around, but they're so distorted and disrupted by the background energies that are in these major cities that we just they don't ever yeah they don't materialize we can't see them yeah that good point everything thought. has been completely disrupted yeah you know Very torn out the old brought in the new and then you've got you know city running non-stop and everything else you know power lines everything else just causing disruptions uh, here's another one from gettysburg up on the screen hopefully it's popped up for y'all but uh this is uh more of a cannon somebody was out there at night and you can clearly see kind of the outline of a confederate or or union soldier sitting out there and he's definitely see-through but you can kind of make him out i will say that this photograph is is very uh, pixelated. It's probably an early digital photo, but very interesting. Very interesting. What do y'all think of that one? I, I'm always intrigued by. I, I don't know. Maybe it's bad to say. Like I said, I, I um normally want to be skeptical, but I just I'm intrigued by Gettysburg. Yeah. And I, I'd like to go there someday. When I see some stuff like this, I I I tend to want to <laughs> kind of lean towards um, believing it. Yeah. Um. I can you tell know, you, I've, I've been to Gettysburg probably a dozen times, and it's uh, you need to go there if you can get there. It's it's an incredible place. Yeah, it's definitely on the list. Yeah, you'll have a great time. Uh, or uh, 
come to the West Coast and spend the night on the Queen Mary. Yeah, oh, that's... Uh, uh, I love old steamships, so yeah, she's on the list. Yeah, that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a good place to spend the night. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Bill, I forgot to ask you, what are you cooking tonight? I asked him already. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I can, uh, I had a busy day today. I had to install some security cameras on the house, and then uh, so I'm cooking tomorrow. TV dinners. <laughs> yeah, when you clicked over to Waverly, I had a moment to him by myself, and that was the first thing I asked. Him. Oh I yeah, on the stove today. <laughs> yeah, normally I do it on Saturday, but yeah, today was busy. So. I'll tell you what, I like it that we've done this show for about two months now, and we've got uh, gotten to know some of y'all that we can actually know that when Bill calls, I want to know what's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, Gail is asking about recordings in the basement of Mooresville, and that refers to Jason and I, uh, yeah. you know, in his house in the basement. there was We touched a little bit on that earlier. Yeah. So, Gail, I actually have a short video recording that uh, we took in the bedroom down there that shows something uh, moving around. I don't recall. Did we ever get any EVPs down there? But we certainly... We did. Did yeah. we? Okay. We, yeah, remember we had the uh, the guy and the girl arguing in that Oh, day. gosh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that freaked me out. Yeah. At some point, I will see if I can find that little clip. It's, you know, it's we're talking 20 years now, so it might be hard to find, but I still had it. I know I digitized it at some point. It was off an old 8mm camera and, and with night shot, so I'll find that. So. Um. And here we got another one. Again, this is also uh, Gettysburg. This looks like Little Bighorn or Little Round Top, I think it's called. And uh, you can't hardly see it in the first picture, but if they on that zoomed-in photo, that is an incredibly weird picture off to the right there for those of you watching that. And it looks like a Confederate or Union soldier again with a hat on and just kind of staring out into oblivion. Uh, so I, I don't know. What do you, have you guys seen that one? What do you think of that? That could just be a kid, too, you know? It's hard to say at that range. I mean, if it was truly indeed a... Oh, go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I would I would look at that more as a recorded recorded tale. Someone that was... I mean, he was there, and he got killed unexpectedly, and that's just where it stuck. Yeah, those rocks uh, were one of the major battles took place there, so there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of back and forth throughout the first, or I think the second two days of that uh, engagement, and, and there were a lot of people that didn't make it out of those rocks, so they're definitely, you hop down in between the crevices where people were hiding out, and uh, it's a very strange feeling there, that's for sure. Uh, Audio Slave's got an interesting comment. You know what's really weird? As kids, almost all photos like these were snapped exclusively in graveyards. It seemed like they were automatically haunted areas that everyone avoided intentionally. Huh. Yeah, I used hmm. to. We used to. I know Jason. You and I did it. And I know I've done it. Uh, taking my wife to him for many years. We used to go out when, when digital cameras first came out, and it became affordable to snap a lot of photos. We'd go out and you know, in an afternoon or right at dusk, and snap about a hundred photos, and then come back and spend the evening going through them and seeing if we got anything. Mm -hmm. So I know you and I did that a few times with the camera back. <laughs> there was one night yeah. I don't think we wanted to get out of the car. It was just got that freaky <laughs> feeling, man. It was just. Mm -hmm. mm. I remember. Mm -hmm. All right, let's what see. was that camera? That Sony camera that took the floppy drive? This was a this was a Sony camera, but it was a it was one of the early camcorders, and it and it took night shot. It was like one of the first oh. ones, so it was cool to use this thing. And and during the day, we had one of those digital cameras that I think you know it 
probably half a megapixel, but it was a digital camera, and it was such a such an eye-opening experience to actually be able to take pictures without having to worry about paying for that development. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one I put in here, I don't know what I think of this one. This is probably just, this looks like to me an old 35 millimeters shot that just has a, a an exposure issue, but I threw it in there just because it was like the ghost of Bigfoot or something, if it is real. So uh, y'all take a look at that and tell me what you think of that one. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I would say you definitely um see a lot of little anomalies like that with the old thirty five millimeter film. Yeah. And even more so with the um the Polaroid one step. Oh really? You know, when yeah. you spit that out, you get all kinds of little crazy marks. Um there's all kinds of theories behind that and uh what they're referred to as auras and stuff, but I could never find anything conclusive with it. And spent a lot of money in film, so yeah, <laughs> kind of gave gave that camera up. <laughs> All right, what, this uh, subject are you seeing? Are you seeing that the, the red? I'm colorblind. Are you seeing that the red colored object? Yeah, there's a little. I just clicked off of it, but yeah, there was like a little red blob right in the middle of the picture there, a reddish blob, and and uh, you know, kind of shaped the, like a human. To the left of that was a looked like a face to me. Oh, let me go back to it. I don't know if you can sell. Huh. Yeah, I'm not seeing that. You guys seeing that? I kind of I switched right, right, to right to the left of it. Uh, there's like a tree, uh, tree standing to the left. Yeah. Directly left of that, I see a face. Okay. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't see. Interesting. I'm not seeing it yet. Oh, maybe it's my monitor. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, definitely. I can see like a. Yeah. Uh, huh. okay. All right. Well, let me go back to this uh, other one here while while it's loading up. Uh, we've got a couple of people commenting that they thought the red thing kind of looked like a Bigfoot, and like I said, it's it's like <laughs> Bigfoot's ghost if it's real because it kind of does look that shape. Uh, Semi-professional hillbilly has a question for you, Waverly. Does film seem to pick up more of these than digital? What's your opinion on that? Um, I would say not necessarily. The, again, the problem with film, I think one reason or the main reason that people uh, that we're doing paranormal investigating switched heavily to digital is from a cost standpoint. Yeah. But you, you were getting, I mean, you could just get all kinds of little, um, issues. Um, the, the main issue you have with digital would just be lens flare. You know, you say, Oh, well, that's lens flare, you know, or something uh, glaring back or that sort of thing. But other than that, it, it seems to be a pretty true, uh, thing to use so I, I you know i mean i we had on our team we had somebody that was a forensic photographer oh cool and she had every kind of camera and camera lens you know you could imagine um but a lot of that stuff even now they're using very high dollar you know what you would think of was like a 35 millimeter camera when you're looking at it was really high grade digital and with these massive lenses and different different types of lenses uh again not my not my specialty but um yeah we we just i use the the one step even in modern times when we would go out on investigations trying to experiment with it um again because there were some theories about um auras and this that and the other but it seemed to be 
to me that the camera was just prone to having issues with the film. Well, I, this picture that's up here, I wanted to share this with you because this picture is probably what introduced me to, uh, ghosts as far as what they were. So long before the internet, uh, there was these things called libraries and, uh, we would go to the library and I picked out a book on ghosts and UFOs that interest me even when I was a little guy. And this was one of the photographs that's been around a very long time. I think it's either called the lady in Brown or the lady in blue. I can't remember now, but I do remember the story behind it being, uh, that they had set up a film crew to take photographs of a family and the people that were setting this up actually saw a full apparition, like fully dressed lady, walk down the stairs. He snapped one shot that showed nothing and then actually took a second shot which had this picture in it. And of course this picture has been copied so many times and reprinted so many times the, the original quality of it is long gone. But this picture just has a special place in my heart because this is kind of what was like, wow. That's what got my interest going, and I know for a lot of probably millennials and Gen Xers, it's probably ghost hunters and that kind of stuff, but whatever it is that gets you interested in it, I don't care. I just I just thought that this picture floating around <laughs> on the internet all these years later was still worth looking at. Um, Audio Slave has some, another really good question for you, Waverly. It says, uh, the way, uh, well, he wants to know, Audio Slave, for those of you who have actual experience, and that would be you, Mr. Hathorne, that, that he wants to know... How do you separate what may or may not be real once you see a new fat photograph? Is it training? Is it technical, etc.? What, what is it? If you snap a photo on a on a on a timeout at a, a place and, and you go back and look at it and you're like, "Wow, I see something." How do you go about determining whether you feel like that's real or a misprint? Well, if it's if it was myself or a member of our group that was actually taking the photograph, so then we, you know we've ruled out that there's that it hasn't been doctored that sort of thing right away um so then we have to consider what, what was going on and, and we try to keep that in the back of our mind when we're taking these photographs you know what's going on at the time um when we're when we're taking images for example um we might be in a house and it's reasonably dark or maybe it's even you know maybe it's dusk or whatever so you got some light to work with you're not not having to worry about flash and any any glares or anything like that but say a car goes down the street yeah well somebody's going to call out car or truck just so we know okay at the moment that we're taking that there's there's activity outside that could be interfering creating uh headlights or, or what have you um so we try to we try to take the photographs with all those things in mind once we've done that um, and then we've got a photograph that's got something odd going on with it. Then we try to look at it rationally and try to consider anything and everything that we may have missed to be causing it. And obviously we did have a person, like I said, that was an expert photographer, you know, and then we defer to them, Hey, look, you know, we can't seem to debunk this in any way, shape or form. Do you think this is some sort of odd lens flare? Or is there anything, what's going on? You know, so we would rely on, our experience and, and everything that's going on at the same time. You know, if you, if you get this weird heebie-jeebie feeling and all of a sudden says, Whoa, something touched me and they jump and you, it's about the exact same time you're taking a picture and you, you know, you just piece the clues and the puzzle together, yeah. you know, and, and it's just, it's your best guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, when it comes down to it, 
you know. Sounds like something we heard in law enforcement was you, you, the totality of the situation. So you're kind of taking everything exactly. into account and making it a, a educated decision based off of that. Exactly. It's all guesswork when it comes down to it. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, this picture... Imagine what the, uh, the team that the Vatican has, they, you know, those who prove or disprove spiritual events. Yeah, that is true, don't they? Yeah, yeah they do. Huh. Um, this picture here is uh, security camera footage. You can see what appears to be a sort of formed humanoid uh, in the kitchen. I don't know the backstory on this, but I did think this was kind of an interesting photograph. Apparently, it was uh, motion triggered. So it's like, what the heck is that? You know, who is somebody sleepwalking and it's just a blurred photo like y'all were talking about with trail cams? Or are we looking at a, a, a ghost, like straight up walking through somebody's kitchen at 3 o'clock in the morning? So it's very interesting. That is amazing. I like that one. Uh, I'm going to yeah. Yeah. We'll go ahead and move on to that next one. That's another oldie here. This one is, uh, you know what, I'm not even going to cover that because we're getting low on time. But uh, that's a, an old picture from World War One, I, I believe. This is a weird one. I'll let you all go to look at this one, and then I'm about to wrap this up here. We're getting close to the two-hour mark here. Can't believe we didn't get through all these, but uh, I've had a, a great night. Uh, night Owl wants to know if we ever watched Ghost Hunters when it was on Sci-Fi. Sure did. I had cable for the first couple of years it was on. Uh, I think it was like 2006 that I got rid of cable TV. So uh, I only caught like the first season or two, but man, loved it. Thought that was a great show. Uh, heard it got more sensationalized as years went on, but still the, uh, yeah. the idea was sound. Anything that gets people into thinking outside the box, I'm all for. So uh, for that reason alone, I like it. So, so this this picture here is a bunch of girls and uh, their kids taking a photo. But if you take a look there where that circle is there, you see uh, looks like a child's face. And the backstory on this one is there was only one child in the room or in the house at that time, and it's clearly the one over there holding her eyeball because she just poked it out apparently or something. But <laughs> that is a weird photograph. It makes me wonder if maybe there's a backstory about one of these ladies losing a child or had a sibling that didn't make it. I, I don't know other than that it just states that not, there were no other kids in the room at the time. So your, your thoughts on that? Looks like that one kid crying probably saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. That could very well be the case. You're right. I hadn't even thought of that one. Because, like you said, they, they kind of do tend to tend to see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be curious on the backstory on that one to see if there was anything along those lines, like you were saying, Eric. Yeah. The Jamaican dog has got some very inappropriate comments going on. I love it. <laughs> Can't say that out loud, but that, that's a good one. So uh, I'll go ahead and close that one off. <laughs> this is another cool one, and I think this is probably going to wrap it up because we're right up against the two-hour mark, and it may cut us off when we get there. I'm not exactly sure how long you're allowed to stream these things. But this was a guy, he went to, uh, gosh, I can't remember what part of Arizona it was, but Tombstone, Tombstone, Arizona. So got all dressed up in his little cowboy outfit there and snapped a shot. But what's weird is this guy, this clearly visible guy, Hanging out in the bushes at about a quarter height with a cowboy hat on. That, I really think, is one heck of an interesting picture, man. And we'll wrap it up on that with your thoughts on that one. What do you guys think of that one? Because that one's, that one's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, definitely a lot of a lot of history out that way. So Yeah. yeah. For 
for sure. I like like Waverly said, you got to know who took the picture and actually kind of seen that that looks really real. So I like it. So anyway, uh, that's it, guys. It has been a pleasure having you on. Uh, Bill, always, always nice to have fun. you. Waverly, always good to have you on. Bill, good to have you on. Jason, of course, always a pleasure to spend a couple hours with an old friend. Absolutely. And uh, again, uh, Mitch Henderson, congratulations. You won the CB radio. That is it. Can you believe two hours have passed us by? I think it was one of the better shows we've had. What about you, Jason? I completely agree. That was a, that was yeah. a great show, and I appreciate everybody who contributed. Thank you to everybody for the comments and the phone calls. That was that was awesome. It always makes it go better when you guys get involved. It really was, man. And, you know, I think we both, Jason and I, have been commenting last two weeks. You know, two weeks ago I was sick. Last week he was kind of feeling off. I think we've just had two shows that were maybe not our best, but uh, we're back, baby. So <laughs> I had a great Until show. Until you ban me next week. That's right, yeah. yeah. Figure out another way. I'm not going to allow you to comment anymore. <laughs> it's the AI, bro. It's the AI <laughs> messing with the system. I'm really a robot. Jason is no longer here. <laughs> I appreciate each and every one of you listening. I uh, once again want to let you all know this show is free to air. Go ahead and rebroadcast it. Go ahead and put it on your little pirate broadcast radio stations. Go ahead and repost it on your YouTube channel. Just be sure to refer them back to the Midnight Cafe. And uh, you know what? We'll see you next time. Next week, uh, same time. No free radios Absolutely. next week, but we'll... We'll still have a great show, hopefully. <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and wrap hey, it up. Know. I'm going to play uh, Old Man by none other than Marky Shaw. Marky is still being generous and kind enough to allow us to use his music free to air, and I really appreciate that. So if you haven't already, go ahead and go to Marky's uh, Apple iTunes store there and download his songs. Give him a few bucks, because, brother, he deserves it. And on that note... That is the end of the Midnight Cafe tonight. I am your host, Eric, a.k.a. Mad Dog. And with me this beautiful night was once again Jason, a.k.a. Rockin' Woody. Woody. Everyone have, everyone have a good night. Yeah, buddy. See you all next week. Have a good one.
Just to get paid, losing your mind is the price you pay. 